Welcome to Coaches Exploring Clarity. And today we have a special treat. We have a guest, Vanessa Rivera, who's joining us. She's our first guest on this program. And over the coming weeks, we'll see more guests joining us. And uh, I met Vanessa on Jamie Smart's uh, Clarity Coaching Certification Training. And uh, I guess we've been together ever since, <laughs> following along with Jamie on, on various programs and Vanessa and I do uh, peer coaching kind of once a month for the last several months too. So we've really gotten to know each other quite well. And I'm thrilled that she's agreed to join us today. And today we'll be looking at chapter 18, Penicillin for the Mind, which starts with this quote from Albert Einstein. No problem can be solved from the same level of consciousness that created it. Which is interesting because this is one of my favorite quotes that I've kind of had in my back pocket for over 20 years, except my version of it was uh, you can't solve a problem at the same level of thinking you were at when you created it, which is basically the, the same, the same thing. Although I like this version of it because I used to think of it very intellectually, like the same level of thinking and that it had to do with thinking differently, um, like intellectually thinking and the idea that it's a level of consciousness goes beyond thinking it's it's you know it's an understanding your level of understanding of how the world works um and as coaches I and mean, that's what we're endeavoring to do with our clients is help them see a new way of understanding their world love that greg i uh like like you i've i've had this in my pocket for a long time even during my my shatsu, my shatsu practice, as, as my, my actual shatsu teacher uh, was actually a theoretical theoretical physicist. Um, so I'd already got this. And I must admit, the very first time I heard it, I didn't really understand it, or at least as I read it, the first question that came to mind was, well, well, okay, but now what do I do? <laughs> like, where, 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 where's the answer then? This, this was a dilemma that actually stuck for me, stuck with me for quite a long time. And I thought, oh, God, there must... And just because this gentleman happens to call himself Einstein, it gave me a good enough reason to stick up kind of finding the answer to that. You know, well, now what do I do? And it, I must say it only came recently kind of a... a a very happy and, and peaceful decision that sometimes you don't even need to actually solve a problem at all. Just like a natural realization, sometimes there isn't a problem actually to be solved, first thing. And then I think it was reading Robert, I think I might have mentioned this, Robert's, Robert, Rupert Spearer's book, um, Path of Least Resistance, with the idea that, that Again, if you don't have the problem, all that you're left with is an empty canvas. So all is to be created, which, which I, I, it sort of kind of that kind of allows me to look at that. No problem can be solved from the same level of consciousness that creates it and go, ah, and it's no longer like a, a now what. It's okay. Well, let's see then. Even if I don't have an answer, it's just a let's see, which I find is, yeah, kind of inspiring. It's funny that you said inspiring story. I'll just jump in with one quick story. 
because without this story, I probably wouldn't even be here. But um, when I first picked <laughs> up Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, this quote, at least the version I, I said earlier, is what caught my attention. And I started um, bringing kind of the seven habits of highly effective people to my team at work and stuff. And then I had a meeting with my boss and I was so excited and inspired. And he basically crapped all over and said, like, this is stupid. You don't need a book. You're either a good leader or you're not. Um, and he basically discouraged me from following what was inspiring me. And that night I went, I remember coming home all dejected. And I went online to the Franklin Covey website, which I'd never been on before. And I noticed in the top menu, there was a quote of the day button. And I hit that button. And guess what quote popped up? This Albert Einstein quote. <laughs> Out of all the quotes that it could have been. And I took that kind of as a, a sign to keep going. Like, don't, don't throw in the towel. Um, and here I am, 20-something years later, still going. Yeah. <laughs> I I loved what you said, Elaine. I was thinking uh, no problem can be solved in the same level of consciousness, consciousness that it's created and that the whole notion of whatever we perceive to be a problem not actually being a problem, but um, space for creation, thought, experimentation, I actually breathed quite a bit when you said that. I was like, oh, yeah, I've forgotten about that. Sometimes I forget that. That's reassuring um, because when we we can forget. Um, and when when that falls away, then it really does create the what's possible that you haven't seen or, yeah, the experimentation element of, of life. It's lovely. Yeah. For me, it's um, a, a comfort everything's okay it's going to work out you know you have what you need to solve the problem just don't worry about it it's comforting it's it's very comforting right here yeah Vanessa that sounds like as well as there's a a deep knowing mm. in that feeling of comfort or that, that can allow that feeling of comfort to express itself. It's beautiful, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a, a, a very real hope, hopefulness in it. Mm -hmm. As opposed to what people are normally feeling when they're trying to solve a problem yeah um yeah by people yeah, that, you're that... you're looking at one of them right here <laughs> I, get, I get caught up <laughs> in my people i'm looking directly <laughs> in front of me <laughs> i get i get caught up in my problems all the time yeah all the time yeah yeah well until you don't yeah, i guess exactly until now <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. The very next thing I highlighted was this bullet point about smokers. The the smoker who suddenly decides that enough is enough and easily gives up a habit they were previously enslaved by. It made me think of my grandfather. I remember he always told us a story. He was a lifelong smoker from the time he was, I don't know, probably 11 or 12 years old up until 1971 when my brother was born. 
in the day my brother was born, he decided exactly what this says. Enough is enough. And he never smoked again. And so it wasn't like it was totally a new level of consciousness, a new paradigm of the world. He just decided smoking around this baby isn't going to be good. So I'm just going to stop. And, uh, yeah. and after years of, of failed attempts of trying to quit with all the methods that everyone tries and failed, it was that, that change in consciousness that, uh, it was effortless. Yeah. What's it, what was interesting to me here was, um, this idea that you can turn anything into this kind of addiction. Mm-hmm. You know? And I started wondering, how have I done this? Coffee was a big thing for me. It took me a long time to get to a place where I could give up coffee, you know, permanently. Mm-hmm. And I started by doing exactly what he said, substituting green tea for coffee. <laughs> me another long time to give up green tea <laughs> so interesting and i was wondering you know if you guys had examples of how that worked for you i don't go go ahead no no go no, really go. I can wait. Oh no, I was th- when i when i read this um and i will confess that i only reread this um 20 minutes before we came on today. Uh, but it, it was on the back also of listening to a podcast this morning w- where they were talking about a similar thing. I can share that later. And what came up for me on both occasions for me was um, many years ago, I decided to get really fit and be really healthy. Um, and what resulted was uh, an obsession with diet and fitness, an obsession to the point where um, food wasn't fun or interesting. Socialising was absolutely off the calendar. Um, Nothing could get in the way of my training sessions. I didn't want to have friends, family over because, well, what was I going to give them? Because this is what I eat now. And now that I look back and I'm like, Oh wow! I got I was kind of brainwashed by an by an Olympic swimmer. Actually, my trainer was an Olympic swimmer, and he him and his wife managed to brainwash me that this was a, a good way to live. And because I thought this would get me healthy, um, and all and a lot of external factors, I can see now all of the external factors, the the body image, the if, if I look like this, I will feel better about myself. All these things come into play, and I, I didn't see it for. Thankfully, I'll say it only went on for, but it did go on for about two years, uh, which in and of itself, living like that is quite long when you're excluding essential elements of your life. So reading this brought all of that back for me um, and thinking, there were just things where I clearly I was not at a level of consciousness or I would have seen how crazy that was for me. Um, so, yeah, it was an addiction. Do you and recall the, being, the insight you had that, that got you out of that? Um, I, I, th- I don't think there was any one occasion, but I noticed various occasions. 
where I mean things like when <laughs> so, to the point where uh, as yeah I'm Scottish as you can hear Vanessa I would go home to Scotland and I would take my own oatmeal because it was organic and it was specially cut and it was something and it was something and that's what I taught. So the first time I turned up to my dad, my old Scottish dad, with my own oatmeal, the porridge, he's like, what's going on? I mean, he didn't quite say what's going on here, but he's looking at me going, "That what is going on here? <laughs> so little things, comments from people, my family, oh, what, you know, just this isn't, lots of comments from family. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there were there were drip things, and then I think actually what broke it was when we moved. I think that's what actually broke it. Where it was like, no, I can't, I can't, I need to get some fun back in my life. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Not a level of consciousness. What's that? Where a uh, one man's something is another man's poison. That's just what came to mind there. You know, saying Pleasure? that it was. One man's one, is, is that it? One man's pleasure is another man's poison. Yeah. One man's meat is another man's. I can't remember, but something like that. You so. get mind yeah. Sounds like how often, you know, we we allow, and it brings us brings me back to the sense of sovereignty. And and remember Jamie Smart's teachings of that. Uh, you know, some something about how we we actually place the problem into somebody else's hand. And it sounds to me like in your case, Lynn, with you know the, the two Olympic swimmers telling you that that was the only way to move forward sounded like a very kind of dev- devastating eventual finality for you, you know, or you know, if not if nothing else, it certainly could have created more problems. And even the very word problem itself kind of always talks back to, well, there's only one way to solve a problem because a problem, you know, if mathematics is not an opinion, like we have a problem that needs a solution to it in a mathematical way, kind of, well, kind of in a very, you know, wide sense. We look for a problem to a solution that already have a solution. We look for a solution to a problem that already has a solution, but we don't naturally look for something new that is naturally inclined to to be suitable for each single individual with its own single unique, let's say, energy. Uh, yeah, it, energy. Full stop. So it. it there cannot be a solution to any problem unless it's out of the scheme of things. And the only place that's out of the scheme of things is at a different level of consciousness. Blank faces, but that's what just came to mind. (laughs) Well, it's a good segue into the next thing that I I highlighted was... uh, on page, what is this, 192. Um, these are examples of a natural quality that we all have, the capacity yeah. for realizations that lead to an increase in our clarity of understanding, a rise in our level of consciousness. Like the the important part here for me is the the notion that we all have this. Like each of each of us here and each of the, the clients that we work with. Um, I mean, the, 
I've seen this a lot in my life, in my parenting, realizing that my kids have this has taken a load <laughs> of, of worry off my mind. Um, particularly with my daughters who moved away to university and, you know, as she adjusts to life outside of the nest, um, I don't have to worry about her. Like she has this capacity to have realizations and find new levels of understanding and a new level of consciousness to, to navigate her way through life. It's very, uh, I don't know, very relieving. It's also empowering. Mm. Yeah. I like that solve word. your own problems for that's what we're talking about or or whatever thing it is you're working on. You yeah. have that inside of you. Mm. How cool is that? Yeah. <laughs> and actually for Greg, how cool is it for your daughter that with you don't even have to say that, that you know that that will come through mm. um and that, that's so so powerful for her mm. yeah and how and then the elevator sort of you know, right from that sentence the elevator concept the idea that you don't have to go anywhere to get anything or or better to get new levels of consciousness. It, but as you rise up through them, you're always going to have a different take, observation, thought, or something that, that's naturally going to come to you. Because the, the elevator I always see is in, in this metaphor, it's kind of it's you that rises, not the actual elevator that takes you. You actually rise up anyway, which makes me also think that it's something that we do naturally anyway as we go through life, but sure as heavens, if there's kind of a, a sort of a focused and invested interest in doing so, then we'll do it a hell of a lot more quickly, like learning how to become a coach or getting coaching or doing something for your own you know, personal development. Um, will automatically, let's say, the elevator will be start start going up much faster. Yeah, the elevator metaphor reminded me of a relationship I had with one of my bosses because we used to argue with each other all the time because I was on a lower level <laughs> than he was in terms of, like, I was, we were, this was a software, retail analytics software thing, so I was interfacing directly with the users so, so my level of consciousness was at the user level. Like, how can we make this software operate the best it can for the user? And he was at a higher level of how do we sell more of the software? How do we get more clients? And in a way, they're one in the same thing. But um, I would argue about we need to focus on features and things. And he'd be like, no, we need more big picture stuff. And anyway, we, we used to go at it quite <laughs> Uh, quite good and yeah. it wasn't that either one of us was right or wrong we were just at different levels um, yeah and that that's what kind of came to mind and when I, when I realized that it was kind of a um it let the air out of the personal personality conflict 
right? Like it, it, it wasn't personal anymore. I just, I just saw it for what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm just thinking in so many relationships where that useful. Mm. <laughs> well, in any relationship where that's, that's useful. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I'm kind of also thinking the idea of going up on the, you know, as a, as a distance. There's something about, you know, looking at something from afar that makes it much softer. And maybe, I'm, I don't quite mean so, it, not so important, because it may well be Im important, but it not important enough to have an experience about, but important enough to be able to see what the next move is, kind of thing. And that's when you, when you, it, you know, just that we, we, I think we say it sort of as a metaphor. You know, you just, I'm just going to need to take some distance now. Mm. I'm just going to take a step back. I'm just going to, you know, kind of change my view, viewpoint, sort of thing. And we do, and it just gives the whole, again, an energetic feeling is just softer. It's kinder because you, you, you. It's almost as if losing the sort of sharp focus you kind of also lose the judgment, which which we all know never gets us anywhere particularly, at least certainly doesn't get us any clear in our heads if we're stuck in that kind of sharp, focused, judgmental energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think what, what I'm hearing is putting it in context of the larger Yeah, picture. yeah, yeah. So this next bit, when he says a rising consciousness is a permanent, permanent increase in your clarity of understanding. That's so cool. I had an insight yesterday and I was so afraid I was going to lose it. <laughs> I love the <laughs> feeling. I wanted to hang on to it, but you know, I read this and I'm like, all right, it's there. I don't have to worry about that. So I'm comforted by that statement that it's, it's permanent. I don't have to hang on to it because it's always there it's just right there yeah it's like because once you've had the experience you can't not have it mm. but kind of the idea of hanging on to it is actually hanging on to the concept which is a, a language thing you know how can i articulate that thing well well that's already at a different level anyway so you, you don't need to be able to describe what happened as long as you know you've had that feeling Exactly. Yeah. That's what it, yeah, that's what it sounds like you're saying. Yeah. And actually to that point, the next bit that I highlighted was underneath the, the next paragraph, the penicillin to the mind, where person whose consciousness rises often experiences an across the board increase in well-being with issues they've been experiencing, perceiving as problems suddenly reducing in intensity or disappearing and and that feels to me like the distance part where somehow um you know you you've stepped away and there and there's perspective and and a bit more realization and yeah some greater understanding that's what that feels like to me mm -hmm. 
you know, the thing that came to mind for me there was the idea or the metaphor of going upstream. You know, when when you have a, a rise in your level of consciousness, you basically go upstream and all the problems that were downstream, well, you're not down, you're not there anymore. You're <laughs> you're upstream now. So it's it's not even relevant. Yeah. Yeah, and up, upstream, you always start afresh. Remember on one of our courses, I, I was getting coached by Chip Chipman, and uh, he basically said, well, what if this isn't even a problem? <laughs> and I don't think I really understood it at the time, what he was pointing to. Um, but this chapter definitely has, has helped uh, understand that more. Yeah, it's very difficult to be, um, very difficult to be. It would be, I think, for me to have some kind of, okay, so there's a difference between clarity and being empty-headed. Mm. <laughs> That's what just struck me by what, what you said there, you know, <laughs> like, because it, it's like, you know, well, if there wasn't a problem, like, it doesn't matter. So how do you get to the point where when you have a problem, so you're all up in your thinking and that you can, you know, kind of just say to somebody, well, you know, what, what if it didn't matter? Mm. <laughs> which, which I think is just lovely. You know, now I think it's a wonderful quest. What, well, what if it doesn't matter? But of course, if you let's say on the lower floors of the elevator, you know, it, that you've got, the whole of New York City in front of you and, and you know, maybe the hydrant has just exploded on a on a very cold, already wet day or something and the streets are getting flooded and God knows what else is happening. Like, you know, what do you mean it doesn't matter? Sort of story. But indeed, if you go further up, well, it might not matter. You know, sure as hell at the top floors of your elevator, it, it certainly won't matter. But of course, being able to see it already from that perspective and getting there is 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 sometimes, at least in my personal experience, is sometimes difficult. Mm. Sometimes difficult to get there. You know, to even consider a such like question: What if it didn't matter? Or what if it? What was Chip Chipman's question exactly? He said, "What if what, it's not a problem? Yeah. What, what if it's not a problem?" problem? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it could even be provocative uh, rather than thought-provoking. Yeah. <laughs> well, when he asked that question, my first thought was, like, what the hell you mean it's not a problem? Like, this has been afflicting <laughs> yeah. me my whole life. Of course it's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah. <laughs> Just as metaphor, I mean, the, the penicillin for the mind, it kind of the idea of, you know, penicillin as being kind of the like a, um, one medicine solves many problems or, you know, it's, you know, when in doubt, just take a, a dose of penicillin, you'll be fine. Um, relating back to the last chapter, which is there's only one problem. 
well, this, this yeah. chapter kind of like, there's only one solution. It's a rise in the level of consciousness. Yeah. And then in, in, in the distinction box on 194 achievement obsession versus understanding orientation. Um, Jamie writes, you recognize that your embodied understanding of how life works is your biggest leverage point in whatever you want to accomplish. And I, when I read that, I was thinking about that, how true that is in my coaching of what I'm trying to leverage. My biggest leverage point with my clients is pointing them to getting embodied understanding of how life works. And that, you know, we don't have to work at um, the details of what they're perceiving to be a problem. It's, you know, creating an insight-friendly space so they can have insights and increase their level of consciousness. And the problems just don't seem like problems anymore. Turning mountains back into molehills. Mm. Love that. Me too. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to accuse my wife of being a master at creating mountains out of molehills. Like in the, she's she's such a great crisis manager. In the absence of a crisis, she will fabricate one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The other thing I yeah, highlighted you... was when it says many of our your biggest achievements come after you let go of an achievement obsession and start increasing your clarity of understanding. So it's like this paradox of, you know, the less you worry about the achievement, the more you will achieve. Um, and, uh, you know, I've seen that to be true a number of times in places in my life, even before I, I discovered this stuff. I think where I've seen, well, I haven't thought of that actually. I can't know. Where I've seen that over and over is when I have been able to, and it's not all the time yet, maybe never. When I when I've been able to let go of needing to know all the steps, mm. um, because I that's something that I was very much attached to, is the needing to know all the steps. And so when, you know, the notion that um, this whole achievement obsession and, you know, the end goal and, and knowing that that's going to happen. And so to be able to let go of that and just letting whatever the next obvious thing is unfold is, has certainly been challenging for me. Um, but that's something that's, again, it's comforting to know that that's available to us, I think. Yeah, I like that. Um, I very much used to be caught up in that. You know, I've got to, in, in, you know, like, what is it that, what am I doing here? And how, how on earth can I know what my next step is if, if, if I don't know what it is I'm, I'm doing kind of thing? And most of the time I didn't know what I was doing. But rather allowing that whatever 
whatever the big picture is, rather than the final destination, having an idea of a big picture is a bit like Vanessa was saying, it's like comforting because you know there is one that you can have. There is kind of a place on the elevator in a, in a sort of time scale that you can always aim to reach because I also know that it's infinite. There is no, you know, that, that elevator keeps going. It'll keep on going up if you let it. But it, I find that having an idea of a general outcome and that it's possible allows allows the first step to be taken it like it okay so it, it kind of makes sense there is there is something out there that can be done sort of sense And that that's uh, again nice little segue. And the, the next, there are a couple of things I highlighted next. But what really drew me was this morphine of self improvement, and the notion of planting a seed and allowing it allow uh, allowing it to grow. How can we not allow it to grow? The only way it can't grow is if we take the seed back out of the ground and stamp on it or whatever. Um, so the fact that something will naturally occur is just the nature of life, something will naturally occur yeah. if yeah. unless we get in the way. Yeah, it, we can't not grow. We can't not grow. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. The metaphor, the seed metaphor, the words that popped in my mind are things like patience, um, nurturing um you know you kind of like you said lynn like you, you can't pull the seed out to see if it's growing <laughs> like you just have to <laughs> leave it alone and let it do its thing and give it the nutrients and care and things that it needs um yeah and trust that it'll, it knows for itself yeah yeah and pa patience is really for me too like in, in uh even in things like my business right like having the patience for my business to grow um, at a pace that it's growing at. Like it's, you know, I'm sure there's things I can do, but I'm far more likely to be successful if I'm patient and not judgmental um, and, and let wisdom guide me to do the, you know, take the next step and then the next step and so on. And uh, with the knowledge kind of like, you were just saying, Elaine, knowing the, the big picture is that uh, it will bear fruit. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. If, if you have any doubt about the wisdom inside of you, just look at yourself. You're a miracle. Mm -hmm. You started from a single cell to two cells and developed into a human being 
if that's not a miracle and an example of the wisdom inside of you, I don't know what is. It's It always astounds me when I think of it. How many things had to go right for you to be here? Right? <laughs> you know, in the right order. And you weren't in there mucking around with it, deciding what's the next step. It just happened. And here you are. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And that's that's rather interesting, Vanessa. I, I have a couple of friends, you know, talking of the two selves getting together who, you know, unfortunately haven't been able to have children and they've been investigating IVF and this kind of thing. And I seem to be seeing, hearing that when you do start mucking around, as you said, Vanessa, it actually goes horribly wrong. That's what I'm noticing, which is kind of interesting. If you think all these people on this planet that have indeed got together with another cell and been creators, mm. it really is phenomenal if you think about it. And, and to think that, you know, the most of us are still alive as that happens and, and have it like a normal life. They, they grow and then procreate and start again, grow, start again. It, it really doesn't fail on its own, mm -hmm. but it might fail if there's an exterior influence that's got nothing to do with us that gets in the, let's say, gets in the, you know, as a spoke in the wheel. But nothing that is natural can get in the way of that. Kind of interesting. Yeah, you know, that whole line of thinking reminded me of you know Jamie's whole thing of it. We're built for reality. Um, yeah. You know the the fact that we're even here and, and that we're like descendants of you know millions of years of evolution. Um, you know, just making me you know when when to Vanessa's point about you know we we are a miracle. Like when, when I get wrapped up in my problems and thinking, oh, I'm going to get past this or this is so terrible, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, in contrast to like the fact that I'm a miracle, <laughs> it's <laughs> those problems seem so insignificant. Um, yeah. It's funny because when, when I asked the miracle question, you know, if a miracle were to happen, how would you know to clients? that word miracle trips them up quite often because um, we don't, we don't, I don't know, for whatever reason, we don't tend to think in terms of miracles. Um, and uh, I don't know, it's been an eye opening for me having those conversations with people and, and guiding them into what's possible and to think bigger, like, don't wait. I, I kind of joked with a few of my clients when they say like their miracle is, to get promoted to the next level of their, of their job. And uh, which is fine if that's, that's a miracle, but I try to encourage them to think a little bigger than, uh, than that. What about, you know, starting your own business or, you know, jumping five levels or I don't know, whatever, whatever dream, you know, just if you're going to dream about a miracle, it's kind of, there, there's a, a lot, a lottery thing here in Canada called Lotto Max. And uh, on the commercial, they have this guy, his name is Max, and he's the dream coach. And he's like visiting people, goes, what if you if you won the $70 million, what would you do? And they go, oh, I'd buy a boat. 
And he's like, no, dream bigger. And he's like, yeah, I'd buy a, a, a super oh. yacht. <laughs> like he's, you know, if, obviously they're trying to sell lottery tickets, but just this whole notion <laughs> of allowing ourselves to dream big. Yeah. Um, I think we sometimes we dream small because, you know, the fear of failure or there's just something tied to dreaming big. The, the bigger you dream, the bigger disappointment you'll, you might have. Um there's a lot invested in 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 dreaming yeah. you know even even as far as that and i think jamie said this on a couple of occasions you know dreaming is part of our reality mm. but we don't know that dreams look just look like dreams and they're not real but actually dreaming is made of reality because it's coming right from our heart if you like or right from within we created that dream therefore it's real mm. So why shouldn't it become concretely real if, yeah. if, if you get my drift? Yeah. You know, why, why not? And yet, with contaminated thinking, we, we don't even, as you write, because I could, because that's rightly in the sense that for me, that's exactly how it is. I didn't even believe that I was allowed to dream. Mm-hmm. Right from the word go, you know, they, 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 whoever they may be, knocked that out of my head. Even even before I could imagine that the word existed, you know, and it's it, it you can't have that, mm. and all the rest that follows. And you've just given me a brilliant idea for a, an exercise with client. Like I, I I get what you said, Greg. You know that some people can't, or they you know some in their biggest sort of thing. Well, you know, I'd like a bigger house sort of thing, and they already live in. I don't know, three bedroom flat, nice place upstairs, downstairs, nice, like sort of pie. Oh, yeah, how much bigger? Oh, well, you know, just another room would be big enough. That would be fine. Or with a bit, a bit more garden space. And you're kind of thinking, oh, God, this is not much of a dream. <laughs> but like, I'm just thinking of my own experience. You know, that's fine. So we work on that dream. And then get it done. And then you say, you know, your next question. So what's your next dream? Mm. So that people can kind of slowly, you know, be slowly and safely be a firstly, not so much what's your dream, but just how can I help you allow yourself to dream? Mm. What, what's in a dream? You know? Yeah. And the, the, the actual the power of that question, but it took me a while to get there. Mm. Was, I, I didn't like that question at first. Like, go away. <laughs> I'm not playing. I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> but the, the question is, is immensely powerful because we do dream. Even while we're wide awake, we do a lot of that. Mm. Not always beneficial, but we do do it. <laughs> mm. When you, the way you're talking about that, it made me think of like in my own life, the idea of retirement was kind of like, you know, I'm working hard now so that when I'm 55 or 60 or 65 or whatever age it is, then I can retire and then I can start living and, and having the, you know, go golfing every day or go traveling, I don't know, do whatever. And then it's, 
you know, you, I've realized that, uh, you know, you don't have to wait till you're 55 or 60 or 65 to, <laughs> to, to do those things. Um, and, and kind of Elaine, like you said, like, you know, they told me I couldn't do that. Like, you know, they told me you can't live the life you want until you're retired. And so, yeah. well, who's, what yeah. the hell do they know? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And how many of us are in that trap? Mm. Like, the guys, we've got to get our act together and get this word out here. Yeah. We've got some work to do. <laughs> and going on to the, you know, right, right over to the, I've just shifted onto the case study. Mm. The example of Kevin, who, again, we're just, our dreams are totally misguided. You know, we, we there's also the other side of the coin that actually we don't have to necessarily dream big, especially when dreaming big is not even our dream. It's somebody else's, the car, the house, the yacht, the whatever, which, you know, Kevin clearly in this example Champagne, expensive shoots, uh, expensive suits, luxury watches, etc. You know, just was not Kevin's dream. And and again, you know, knowing what your own dream is 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 fundamental. And it's, you know, indeed how how okay it is, as Jamie reports. You know, he he discovered Kevin. That it's okay for him to be himself. Wow. What a gift. Yeah. Like, wow. Before we came on this call, I um, came across a little short YouTube video with Michael Neal. It's about four minutes. And... Um, he he refers to Sid Bank and he uh, if you're interested I'll send it but it was very cool because he's talk, his challenge was to experiment for 24 hours to let the ego go and just be you we hear Michael Neal talk a lot about just be you and uh, first of all the little segment was so peaceful he he repeated the same thing twice it was very peaceful and, and I love him anyway but just the notion uh, I've sent it out to a few clients, actually, who I think will find it very challenging. Um, just the notion that for 24 hours, you know, with whoever we come across or whatever interaction we have, um, even as something as simple as turning up and doing this and not getting caught up in our head, not trying to put something forward, not to just be you. And how, in our waking hours, I wonder how many moments of the day we're not that was what struck me i wonder how many moments of the day we're not um it, yeah i thought that was such a cool a cool experiment just to to let the ego fall and just be you i love not worrying about yeah. yeah i'll send it yeah do and i, I was just because i was just thinking for how many years i've never been me but half of the problem was that I didn't know how not to be somebody else that I thought I was trying to be. Me too, you know. You know, like, like who am I supposed to be? Yeah. Well, the next next bet, bet seen as 
like it seems that everything <laughs> everything I've done up to date, they're telling me it's not working, so I better try and be somebody else, which of course doesn't work either because it really it really puts a huge like uh shield up it's very it's it's really exhausting trying to be somebody that you're not yeah. it really is exhausting yeah. <laughs> and i've just realized that now because I, I honestly believe i'm way out of that uh luckily fortunately and now for quite a good while but i realized how how excruciatingly difficult it is sometimes to even know that that is actually happening Right. And that you're That's you're it. walking around with the mask on. You're walking around in your clown costume. You're walking around in your whatever pantomime costume. You're walking around with your big businessman briefcase and or British umbrella and bowler hat costume. And so it goes on. And then you get to the time when you're about sixty, like me, and you think, "Oh my God, this is exhausting. I don't think I can do this anymore." <laughs> And wouldn't it be wonderful just to find out a bit earlier? <laughs> you know, we say, Elaine, better late than never. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so grateful that I figured it out or yeah. learned enough to let all that other stuff go. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I needed the contrast or the experiences to get me here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or just to see it. Just or to just see to it. see it, yeah. 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 Hmm. I like this bit on page 198 at, at the bottom of the box. Um, Increases in consciousness and clarity of understanding are inevitable for you. When you get out of your own way, let wisdom guide you and start enjoying your life as it is today. How straightforward is that? Just enjoy your life today. It's inevitable. Yeah. That things will change. That you'll have this increase in understanding and clarity. Yeah. Go team. <laughs> yeah. I also like the bit, the, the just the, why you don't get, get to decide the time scale. I like that. Let's make that clear. We don't get to decide this. Right. So like just, just get that, you know, yeah. just be, be be okay with that. You do not get inside the time scale. And again, it, but it's the thing because again, time is a concept and concept, a concept like time actually belongs, doesn't belong in consciousness as such. Mm. It, it, it's something, it belongs in, the math, in your mathematician's head. It belongs in your worry head. It belongs in your procrastinators, procrastinator's head. It belongs in your contaminated thinker's head time just is it, it, it's not a a decision upon which you need to make a decision like like we're going to do this amount of stuff in this amount of time it doesn't work like that 
And it comes back around to what Greg was saying about patience. Yeah. Patient with yourself. Yeah. It's inevitable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you don't get to decide the time, especially in patience. There is no time. That's what patience is all about. <laughs> yeah. Love it. <laughs> well, in the interest of time, why don't we wrap up with the uh, the thought? I'll read the thought experiment, and we can go around the room and uh, each chime in on what shows up for us. So this is okay. the last page of chapter one ninety nine. The thought experiment: What would happen if you decided not to treat yourself as a thing to be improved, and instead open to the possibility that it's in your nature to continue learning, growing, and evolving? I love that because what came to me, and I will be honest and say I do not always believe this, <laughs> but what came to me as someone who is always striving to learn more and understand the next thing and add something, I read that and I'm like, oh, yeah, I have to remember I'm already enough. It's fine. <laughs> And then uh, tomorrow I'll forget, I'll forget, don't worry. By the end of today, maybe I've forgotten again, but that was what came to me. I'm already enough. can relax a little bit today. What would happen? Well, I, I have experienced what would happen over the last two years on this journey. Um, I am more me than I've ever been. And I like that me. And I know it's going to go deeper and get more fascinating every single day. That's a possibility for all of us. I think the, when I think of that, that sentence, I think that I... can see indeed how the higher percentage of my days where I actually spend just in being me. I am, in the sense I am. And I'm definitely, you know, the, the percentage of time is, is, is tiny, 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 where I sometimes fall into the being a thing that... that that has a form and sort of does things and does the shopping and then has to hurry back home and prepare things and do other things and then go and talk to people and, and that kind of thing, thing. Because when I'm not doing that, that's the only, the only other thing I have is I am. And it's got nothing to do with being, but it's a huge, sorry, got nothing to do with doing. It's much more just being quite simply. And that's it. And even just being able to say that you, you know, being able to physically verbalize that I don't even have to verbalize anything is really rather nice. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's kind of similar to Vanessa, just this journey of the last couple of years doing this and, and really without, um, there is no underlying need to improve or 
get anywhere. It's just, it's more about enjoying the journey along the way, being open to curiosity and exploring and learning and seeing where it takes me. Like it's, um, I have no idea <laughs> um, where I'm going, but uh, I'm enjoying the ride along the way. Yeah, I've lost the need to know. Yeah. Just started I'm, enjoying the journey, just like you said. Yeah. Yeah. And I know I noticed the other thing I noticed is there's more energy that I I can free up more energy. I have more energy. Mm -hmm. I know I haven't got more energy. I've always got the same energy, but it looks like I've got I feel more energetic, let's say. Um I seem to have more of a lot of stuff. It's funny you, mm. when you thought, said the energy, I thought about, you know, the light on, on like a battery or whatever, and like the green bars go up when the battery's charging. And as it drains, it's like the, you know, the it, the green bars seemingly disappear. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, well, yeah. what if like it's the same amount of energy is there is just when there's more contaminated thinking, there's just more black bars. Like, but, but the, yeah. you know, so it's, yeah. you know, the, yeah. the, yeah. the energy is there is just, the less contaminated thinking you're in, the more access you have to the full energy of your being. Yeah, or, or, or what that, that thinking is sort of consuming mm. energy in that, that could be spent in other areas. Put it, let's say, put it like yeah. that, because I know the energy is always the same, but let's say it's getting used up in the wrong place. Yeah. <laughs> well, Vanessa, I didn't know to you. On, uh, I'm sure Lynn and Elaine will join me in thanking you for being our guest this week. It was lovely Thank to have you, so you here. Love. Thank you so much for the invitation. This has been really fun. Yeah, fun for us as well. It's been great to have you, Vanessa. Yeah. Thank you. Fabulous. All right. And next week we'll have another guest join us. And we're looking forward to that as well. So we'll see you all next time. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye.